0: This is Jennifer Gonzalez welcoming you to episode 109 of the Cult of Pedagogy podcast. In this episode, we're going to talk about a simple, effective strategy for getting students to have rich, one-on-one conversations about what they're learning and get to know each other a little better in the process. The strategy is called, quite simply, Ongoing Conversations. In our dreamiest of teacher dreams, some of us might imagine days when our students spontaneously erupt into complex, nuanced conversations about the things they're learning in our classes. If we borrow the language of the Common Core, they would engage effectively in a range of collaborative discussions, one-on-one, in groups and teacher-led, with diverse partners on grade-level topics, texts, and issues, building on others' ideas and expressing their own clearly. Sounds wonderful, doesn't it? And maybe the teacher-led kind is possible because we could structure and guide it, but that doesn't give students much ownership of their learning. In groups, that might be a bit harder to accomplish. And one-on-one, well, how do you even manage that? Jeff Frieden, a high school English teacher in Southern California, wondered the same thing. Wanting a less teacher-centered class, he was looking for ways to get students talking to each other about the content. He tried all kinds of techniques, think pair-share, appointment clocks, groups of four, but none of them gave him the results he was looking for. Meanwhile, he also discovered that most of his students, who had gone to school together for over a decade, didn't know each other's names. Then one morning, just a few minutes before class started, he came up with something new on the fly, a simple system for getting every student in the room to talk with every other student, a way of tracking conversations over time so that students had a reason to reach out to people they never interacted with and have more meaningful, content-based conversations with each other. Since he started using this method, Jeff says his classroom just feels different. Students are taking more academic risks, diving deeper into the content, and actually getting to know each other. In this episode, he's going to tell us how this strategy works. Before we get started, I'd like to thank PeerGrade for sponsoring this episode. PeerGrade is a platform that makes it easy to facilitate peer review in your classroom. Students review each other's work, while PeerGrade takes care of anonymously assigning reviewers and delivering all the relevant insights to teachers. With PeerGrade, students learn to think critically and take ownership of their learning. They also learn to write kind and useful feedback for their peers. PeerGrade is free to use for teachers and students. And now Cult of Pedagogy listeners can get three months of PeerGrade Pro free of charge. Just sign up for a free 30-day trial, then redeem the code CULT to extend that free trial to three months. To learn more, visit cultofpedagogy.com slash peergrade. Support for this episode also comes from Microsoft Teams for Education, the digital hub bringing assignments, conversations, and content all together in one place. Plan, share, and connect with students, staff, and fellow teachers across your school. Whether you're grading and providing feedback to your student's history project or sharing your next big idea for a lesson with your department, Teams for Education can help you and your school achieve even more. Teams for Education, making classrooms collaborative and saving time for teaching. Visit microsoft.com education to learn more. I would also like to thank you for the reviews you've left for this podcast on iTunes. These reviews really help future listeners decide if this podcast is worth their time. So, if you've enjoyed listening, but you've never left a review, I would love it if you would take a few minutes, head over to iTunes, and tell me what you think. Thanks. The Cult of Pedagogy podcast is part of the Education Podcast Network. The EPN family now includes 26 different podcasts, all focused on education. The newest addition to the EPN family is a show called Teachers Need Teachers, a podcast for new and beginning teachers. Host Kim LaPree covers all kinds of topics like what to look for when examining student demographics, setting up your classroom to maximize learning, and how to handle angry parent emails. Check out Teachers Need Teachers and all of the EPN podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com. Now here's my interview with Jeff Frieden about his ongoing conversation strategy. I would like to welcome Jeff Frieden to the podcast. Jeff, thank you so much for coming on.
1: Oh yeah, you're welcome. I'm really glad to be here. Excited, actually.
0: Yeah. So we we kind of um, I've I've been interacting with you on Twitter probably for a good long while now. But you said something, you know, the other day. Uh, or maybe it wasn't even the other day now, but it was a while ago, you you sort of pointed me toward this blog post about something that you have been doing in your class called Ongoing Conversations, and when I read it, I thought this is really a great idea, and I wanted to share it with my readers. So before we get into all the details about that, uh, just tell me a little bit about yourself and your current role in school.
1: Yeah, I teach in Southern California. I've been teaching English language arts for 14 years now, a couple different districts, um, and I've done all grade levels from, you know, 9th, 10th, 11th, 12th, uh, college prep to AP, honors, pretty much all of it. And I've been one of those teachers who, I guess, I started probably my first year of teaching when I went to a conference and I converted to teacher nerdism. <laughs> and I've been participating in committees, grants, and even chaired two different English departments over the span of eight years. So,
0: All right. Great. So you're you're well steeped in in teaching English language arts. Yes. Um, and discussion conversations is should be a, a part of teaching English. Right. Uh, so tell me a little bit about the problem that you were noticing before you tried this strategy.
1: Yeah. So I've done a, a lot of different kinds of discussion models in class uh, with varying levels of success depending on the class that was in front of me and my level of comfort with the topic and just even rolling it out. Um, And then there was one class that I, it was kind of this thing that came together where it was an unfortunate circumstance. Actually it was, um, it turned out to be really good in the end, but uh, I had this AP class one year, uh, two years ago, and they had to collapse it at semester because of enrollment. And so Mm -hmm. they kind of Frankenstein together this junior class for me to teach um, from, you know, students from different teachers and we're all coming together for the first time, uh, for second semester, it's first period. And Mm. it was kind of quiet and awkward at first, which is totally understandable given the circumstances. So I started to kind of notice, well, I want to, you know, Hey, I want to do conversations with these guys, but it just, it's not really working. Um, I tried some online conversations and there was some really deep thought there. And I thought, man, these guys should just connect and talk. Um, there's some really good stuff going on. Um, but, and then I kind of started thinking about, there was other things I was thinking about too in my other classes. And one of the, I have them sitting in tables is kind of the design of our school with the furniture we have, they have to sit in groups Mm -hmm. of four. And I was just noticing this uncomfortable group think coming from the tables. So I would change seating charts and then this, I could pretty much predict like who would answer what or what kind of idea would come from certain tables in certain periods of the day. And mm-hmm. that was, I was like, this is odd. I really want to, I could shake up my seating chart all the time, but that's a ton of work I'd have to be doing. Right. So, um, and with this class in particular, it's, they would talk in partners. Yeah. Kind of table, sorta, but class wide, no way. So, mm. um, and I, I could do mixer activities, uh, where I get them up and walking around and partnering up. And I've done that before. And there's, there's certain kinds of success that come with that on a given day, but they also poke holes in those systems, um, and, and they just kind of work their way around it to end up talking to their friends, and it becomes more social than really content-centered interaction. Mm-hmm. And and also, type those type of mixer things, they usually only last one period. And something that was bothering me, I think for a long time as a teacher, was students come in day to day, and they kind of sit and they wait for you. They mm. say, what are we doing today? Yep. Even though we're in the, we've been reading a novel for two weeks what are we doing today? And it's like the, the previous two weeks hadn't even happened. So there was this kind of day to day thing that was bugging me. And so all of this stuff was bugging me all at the same time. Because um, that's kind of how my brain works. So that that was the problem I was experiencing lots of problems, actually.
0: Okay, and so the conversation just wasn't flowing, it wasn't really content based. And, and, you know, you had said that that you had seen this before, but it was just more acute in this particular group. That's really what really inspired you to, to try something different.
1: Yeah. I, I, do, I think it gave me the nudge that I was okay. looking for.
0: So what did you do?
1: So one morning, um, we're about to start reading uh, Kindred by Octavia Butler. It's a great book. Mm-hmm. The students really mm-hmm. like it. I've taught it at the AP level, and they were very, very engaged with it. And I'm thinking about this class in front of me not being... Not the most engaged class, it's early in the morning. we just came together. I get it. it's awkward. It's kind of the circumstance that we're in, which I don't think is really anybody's fault at that point. you know they they have just joined me, yeah. I'm just joining them mm-hmm. uh, and but it's still my responsibility to lead them through that right and um, I guess what I really wanted I was like gosh i'm they're gonna I'm gonna talk to them, and I just picturing them not like engaging with the book and it's making me It's kind of breaking my heart a little bit, and it's also making me a little angry. But again, not at them, just at the situation. So I was like, you know what? I really want them on their feet. I want them talking to new people, uh, having new thoughts, and I want them to learn each other's names because this has really been bothering me for a long time that they don't know each other's names. Yeah, Um, isn't that crazy? they Some of them have been going to school together for 10 years, and they don't know each other's names.
0: I talked to my daughter, she's in ninth grade, and I'll ask her about kids in her class. She's like, I don't know. I don't know their names. And it's like, (laughs) really? It's just weird to me. But it's apparently really common now, I think.
1: Yeah, I I guess. And so that was really bothering me, too, at another level. Mm -hmm. Um, I also just wanted them to hold these series of conversations over time, connecting one day to the next. So Mm -hmm. um, and then I think I was just kind of sitting there stewing in my sort of teacher nerd anger, I guess, and then a (laughs) lightning bolt like a flash where I was like, I know what I can do. And I kind of already had this roster for something else that we did in the class. So uh-huh. I pull up this roster. It's like 20 minutes to go till the bell too. Like I, oh, I need wow. to get this done. Yeah. Yeah. And so I put the roster, I have the roster ready to go. I do a date column so they could record the date and then just a, I guess rows for um, writing down summaries or just a blurb about what they talked about with their, their uh, partner. And just one instruction at the top, which was something like, over the next couple of weeks we'll be reading this novel, and you are to have brief conversations with 22 of the students on this list. So I rush to the printer, print it off, um, and when the students showed up, I kind of explained it, and mm. we were kind of off and running there. so
0: okay. And so let me make, I'm going to summarize that back to you to make sure sure that I understand it. And I've also seen this chart, so I want to make sure that we're explaining it. I'm going to put an image of it on the blog post that goes with this, but for people that are sitting in their cars right now, I want you to be able to picture this. So it's just a basic chart and it's got your, it's a class list basically, right? Down the side, right? right? It's a list of all their names and then there's a, a date column and then a blank wide final column for them to sort of take a quick note on on the conversation. And the idea is that they need to have conversations with 22 out of how many is it?
1: I, my classes tend to run like from 33 to 36. So right around there.
0: Okay. California. Okay. that's a lot. So, yeah. Okay. So, and so the idea was that they're, they're trying to hit about two thirds of the class basically, yes. um, over the course of, over the course of about how long, how many days
1: well, it depends on what I'm doing. At that time, it was the novel. So I was thinking like three weeks and maybe two of those weeks I wanted them talking, especially at the start of a novel when things are really confusing. That's – I mm-hmm. like to have them talking then, so.
0: Okay. So I'm a student in your class. I've got this basically a class list of everybody else in my class, and I'm supposed to now seek them out, mm-hmm. have a conversation with them, and take a quick note about what we talked about. And it's supposed to be about the novel.
1: Yes. Um And that sounds really free-range, the way you're describing it right now, which I am – that would make me uncomfortable as a teacher right there. Okay. But uh, – so I guide them through – like through – I have used Google Slides, and I'll guide them through – and it might be something as simple as um, explain one thing that really confused you from the chapter to your partner.
0: Okay. So so you give them some sort of prompts, ideas for what they could be talking about. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And so then – what happened when when you first handed them these sheets? Did they just start?
1: <laughs> well, I, I did guide them through the process. We read the instruction. I kind of told them what okay. I was picturing. And mm-hmm. I, I kind of say this thing, too, when we start reading something, whether it's like a hard-to-understand article or a novel, is I say, like, uh, you know, I just want to let you know I'm going to come clean that I'm a confused reader. You know, join the club. When I read something for the first time, it's always confusing. Mm-hmm. And... I need help, I need help to understand it so let's uh let's basically form this class wide support group here for struggling readers because I'm one of those two, and as we go through this, let's talk about the things that are perplexing to us that we don't get words we don't understand. Uh, maybe we miss a detail that our partners or our friends figure out in the class, and so they can kind of help us out okay and then that's kind of sets the the mindset for them getting onto the slide, you know, when I do the slideshow and I prompt them that they mm-hmm. kind of know, oh, okay, we're just in here to kind of feel our way through this novel. That's what I'm hoping.
0: I got it. Are these different slides you're showing sort of like now find somebody to talk about this, then find somebody to talk about this, like it's one question at a time?
1: Yeah, I do. I'll do a different kind of prompt at a time. And sometimes it might be like, tell tell your partner about the conversation you just had. You know, something like that.
0: Okay, okay, okay. So this is not them just wandering around thinking up things to say. This is sort of everybody in the room talking about something they've been prompted to talk about, but they're switching partners every time.
1: Yes. That's a good way to summarize it. it.
0: Okay. Okay. And so, and what we're talking about right now is this this is the first time you did this. So did it it go pretty well?
1: Uh, It went surprisingly well. Um, I... I was actually shocked by it, how well it was yeah. going. So yeah. I brought it into my other classes. I thought this was going to be one little thing I did to solve this one problem. Right. Maybe this one time.
0: Yeah.
1: But there was so much potential there. Uh, I did, you know, they were reluctant at first. So I would have to nudge. They didn't want to get out of their desks, especially to, <laughs> um, at first, I know they were going to talk to the people they were most familiar with. Right. And then there would hit a point where they're like, I am not comfortable. I don't know these people. Yeah. Which was what I was looking for, mm-hmm. actually. Mm-hmm. Um But I would have to nudge them with things like, all right, you're sitting at a table of four. So the two students with the shortest hair, you can stay. The rest need to go Mm -hmm. and go find somebody else to talk to. And they, you know, would heave a sigh and they would go talk to somebody else.
0: (laughs) And then once they once they did that.
1: Uh, Yeah, I just had this new energy in the class. They they were I'm like, oh, my gosh, they are talking. And um, it was more content centered talking, too it wasn't just about their social lives they were really responding to the prompts that i was giving them and talking about the book and there's one story that does come to mind too about that where i had a student um this young lady mm-hmm. and she was not all that engaged in the class mm-hmm. and i talked to some of her other teachers she's not all that engaged in some of her other classes too <laughs> and so it was always a struggle to get her to, to engage But she hit a point where she had to talk to Mario and Mario was engaged and Mario was very enthusiastic about the book. And he, I I think I overheard him saying like, no, I have never read a book like this. And he was so excited about it. Wow. And after that, when it was time to move on to our next activity, um, she could not take her eyes off the book. So I came by and said, hey, you know, we're, we're moving on. And she's like, "Uh uh-huh. Yeah. And then she just kept reading. It lasted Uh, two days but those are two days that she was really engaged in that book and I had never experienced anything like that
0: oh that's really cool so you continued to use this model with them and you took it into your other classes too so over time so how long ago was it that you did this for the first time
1: it was uh spring of 2017 so almost two years ago
0: okay so how has it changed to where it is now what is what does the model look like or have you made many changes to it
1: Um, at first, like it was in my mind, it was just connected to novel reading. Um, and then I expanded last year when I had my sophomores reading The Immortal Life of Henrietta Lacks, which is, Mm -hmm. no, it's a dense book. We only read portions of it. I actually didn't Um, finish
0: it. I started it and it it is, it's very dense, but it's such an important book. So I'm excited that you were reading that with 10th graders.
1: Yeah. So we were reading that and then we moved into inquiry based research. So I used that as a seed text where Mm -hmm. I had them like, what are some, surfacing issues that are coming up and then I gave them all kinds of guidance into exploring questions so they're out finding their own research and then I was like you know what I still want them to talk to each other what if I just keep this thing going into the inquiry and research process and this was really cool this was a good breakthrough too when I had them partnering up to just summarize the articles that they're reading take that take your favorite article that you found find a partner and summarize it for them and at first their eyes were rolling Hmm. like they're like oh okay i have to do this i have to go i I had to print up this article because you made me print up this article and now i have to talk about it with somebody but um since they had all been researching different topics um like they would sit down with a partner and i'd watch them kind of like okay this happened this happened but the other person hadn't read it so they're like wait you're kidding what was that what you said that again And then they kind of sat up, the person who was doing the summary, like, uh, yeah, so – and then they share more details, and they were getting more excited by the end of their conversation. That wasn't happening everywhere in my classroom, but it was happening in enough spots where I was like,
0: huh, there is something here. That's really cool. Yeah. And so – Okay, so, cause th- so this just started with novels. You expanded it mm-hmm. to talking about all kinds of things, including, including research. And this is where you actually had a name change. You started off by calling them novel conversations. Right. And you changed it to ongoing conversations.
1: Yeah, I think I'm, uh, yeah, just I've been fumbling around with names. But it's like, yes, the idea of this conversation that's happening over an extended period of time, because we're dealing with complex text or issues. Yeah, something like that.
0: Right, right, right. It, here, here's something logistic. I've got a logistic question, so if sure. I get to my number twenty two mm-hmm. do at what point do you give them a fresh sheet and have them start over or do you know what I mean uh, like can they return to the same person?
1: Yeah, that's a great question that I'm not sure I have the best answer for. I do have a couple of thoughts though, so the reason. The number 22 or the you know two-thirds of the class that I picked, I think that was initially what I wrote down was two-thirds. Okay. So that was just in case people were absent. So on the post that you saw, I was frustrated with the appointment clock.
0: Yes, you said you threw a tantrum about it.
1: <laughs> yeah, it works as long as you, was... every appointment's there that I'm going to call that day. Otherwise, it doesn't really work. And then I have to do yeah. a lot of work to partner people up or trios or whatever. Right. Um, this was just in case there was like, a number of absences, so it was like, oh, there's got to be somebody on the list. Um, and then even at the end, when I had people wait, I don't have enough conversations. Um, I, a solution I came up with last year was, okay, let's move this thing to Flipgrid, so we would move it to mm. a way they could talk outside of class, but I could still kind of keep an eye on it. Yeah. Um, and then if I do have students that kind of they're there every day, they have all the conversations, and they're done. And I kind of ask them, I say, you know, hey, you you've been doing a really good job with this. Can you you know basically be this benevolent little can you help people out Mm. and usually for the most part people are like oh sure yeah I could do that so so
0: how do they do that what does that look like do they what are they doing when they're helping people out
1: oh they're just having that that conversation with so they might have 30 conversations where the person they're talking to is working on their 20 oh I
0: got it okay so the kids are going to have uneven numbers because of just attendance and that sort of thing yeah okay
1: so, but I just say, hey, you're doing such a good job. Usually when I kind of frame it that way, yeah. that really helps the students. So. Yeah. And they are. They're doing a job. They're there every day. They're having conversations. Yeah. I'm really grateful.
0: So when, so let's say the whole class though is, is getting sort of finished up with their, I mean, is there a point where you're like, okay, we're done with this sheet and do, you, do they turn them in? Are you, are you sort of just looking at them in an ongoing way or do you actually collect them and read them?
1: yes to all of those questions okay. but there are so say we're in the kind of halfway mark of going through a text or a complicated issue or a complex issue mm-hmm. then yeah I'll give them another piece of paper and say alright round two got it you know got and it. we'll kind of start over yeah
0: okay and then I've got to ask this question because I know people are thinking this do they get a grade for this piece of paper
1: oh I was hoping you wouldn't ask me that question I, I gotta um, ask
0: because I know they're going to ask we can head them off now <laughs> um I'm, my guess based on your reaction I'm thinking you would prefer to not give them a grade for it and you think it would be best to not do that correct
1: well yeah, well yeah of course mm-hmm. so no the reason why I was hoping you wouldn't ask is because this is a whole other podcast or <laughs> series of podcasts um I'm I'm taking points out of my class this year I'm doing uh, kind of the grade list model that maybe you've seen online. Oh, yeah. Um, I'm giving that a try. Okay. It's going really well. Okay. But I was using points when I started it. And yes, I would collect it. And yes, I would, you know, count. Uh-huh. Um, I think I ended up, hey, just go ahead and number off all the conversations you've had. That helped me just make them count it. Right. And, then, um, and it would be, uh, you know, a small amount of points. Because uh-huh. um, really the richness of the activity was in the sharing of ideas and, it wasn't so important that they summarized. But the summaries really helped them if I ask them things later on for a debrief, like, you know, which conversation surprised you the most or what surprising insight did you get from this? So they could kind of look back and right. kind of recall some of that stuff that they were doing. Right. Yeah.
0: Okay. I, I want to dig into this just a little bit more, too, because this 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 is what sort of separates <sighs> – English language arts teachers into two camps and I think to maybe people that have been teaching more traditionally with grades and points for a long time I think this is a hard thing to grasp but this reminds me a lot of of the conversation I had with Marissa Thompson a couple weeks ago about the TQE method also which is mm-hmm. the assessment of of the standard is are they reading are they reading mm-hmm. are they re- and so this that's all this really is and so I think the question probably there's two things. One, how do you handle the kids saying, do we get points for this? And I'm thinking that's a larger battle that you're fighting in general with shifting right. away from from grading everything. But then also there are mm-hmm. going to be teachers and administrators wondering, okay, in terms of assessing them for certain standards, what standards are you assessing students on and how does that actually look in any kind of documentation or anything like that? Is that a clear question? Yes. No, that okay. makes it,
1: it is clear. Because we'll I do hold conversations with my students about their learning, which is standards-based. Right. And so they have to justify to me how they're learning the standards okay. and kind of at what level they're, they're learning them. Okay. And so I will definitely throw in, if it's literature, I'll throw in some literature standards and I'll remind them, hey, we did this with ongoing conversations. Mm-hmm. When you, you know, here's the analysis piece. Um, you know, when you talked about character. And then also it's speaking and listening at the same Mm -hmm. time. So I got speaking and listening standard one from the Common Core State Standards, which is just they have to have a range of collaborative discussions. And so I kind of break that down for them and they tell me how they're doing on that standard through the ongoing conversations. So um, and they they document that and I look at the document and we talk about it Mm
0: -hmm. and
1: it it all kind of translates into a letter grade because I am in a traditional letter grade school. I do need to submit a letter grade and I do. Um, and they, uh, I mean, really, I think kind of underneath the question that you're asking is what motivates them to hold these conversations if you don't have points attached to it. And yeah. that's, that's sort of, uh, well, Hey, you, I'm watching, you know, you're going to be accountable for this later on. So let's just pretend that, I mean, I, well, it's not pretend. <laughs> I do. I love making the joke that this class is totally pointless. That's been fun this year. Like, no, it's totally pointless. But, um, the, Yeah, so it's really just, I'm going to hold you accountable to this, and eventually we're going to have a conversation. You're going to have to kind of look me in my eye and say, this is what grade I deserve or here I can justify this grade. Okay. I don't know if that answers your question. It does,
0: it does, because they've got to be able to justify that they've been sort of doing these things with literature or with research. And it's interesting, too, because I've not seen too many examples of how... You can actually document speaking and listening. Mm, mm-hmm. I know teachers struggle with the speaking and listening standards because it's like, well, yeah, we sort of do that, but ha-, and and so by having kids sort of document their own conversations, they've got the proof right there. That's right. Um, do they? Do you end up doing any kind of like an like if with novel? Do you do you do any kind of an assessment or a paper at the end of them reading the novel, or is it just to read it and discuss it?
1: Yeah, there's there's going to be some kind of connecting activity. It'll it'll be I don't. I haven't necessarily assigned literature or literary analysis type essays, but there'll be some kind of – I tend to use it as a seed text that leads into some other kind of writing, uh, some more real-world type stuff. But, yeah, there will be – they are accountable for what they did or did not do as far as the reading and the discussing.
0: Okay. And what about kids that show up having not read?
1: Um, Let's see. How do I – so I think I just kind of – I didn't have a good solution at first, which was just a sort of like, well, it looks like you're going to have an awkward conversation with a few people today. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But That's a real world consequence. And that actually, you know, I mean, like I was talking about that young lady earlier that kind of worked, at least for a time that worked for a couple of my students where they kind of, oh, man, I need to, you know, I'm going to have these conversations and my my friends are dwindling on my list here of people I can talk to. So I should probably show up with something red. And... They they help each other out too. They kind of compensate for each other, but they get, so those that who aren't reading, they're still getting some of the reading through, mm. through even though they're not handling it on their own, mm-hmm. they're still getting some contact and seeing different angles and points of view. Yeah. And even if a person, like say I'm a student who's done my reading and I sit down with somebody who hasn't, I still get to kind of go back over and recall and do all those great sort of learning habits, right. even though I haven't. You know, my partner isn't kind of interacting with mm. me. I might be – and they, they don't know. They're actually – sometimes inadvertently they're motivating the other student to pick up the book. Right, right. Um, but I might try the whole go out into the hallway thing that Marissa talked about during her go podcast. Go out and read. Week, so. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
0: Huh. Okay. So is there anything else you wanted to share about – well, I actually had, had, had wanted to know if you've got any do's and don'ts for teachers that – who want to try this, what advice would you give them?
1: Yeah. The, the do's and don'ts, it's kind of more in, it's uh, I would say don't print up uh, listen to the podcast and then print up a roster and then say, go. Got it. I don't think that okay, would okay. work. It's a little too free range. And then depending on the maturity level of your students, like I teach, I'm doing this with mostly 12th graders right now. And so they're able to handle walking around a room uh-huh. and um, not, squabbling with one another or getting caught up in other things kind of on their own. So I don't have to coach them as much with the social aspect. But um, if you're going to do this at like a junior high level,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: I think I would be heavy on the, here's how you introduce yourself to someone. Mm -hmm. Um, So those are the kinds of things I would do as coaching into, I mean, my seniors are, some of them have remarked, I, I did a survey recently where they, they do not – they're not really sure how to initiate a conversation with someone they don't really talk to normally. So mm-hmm. I'm thinking of bringing more of that aspect in as well. That's kind of a do for myself. Yeah, just
0: role-playing um, really, like having just like a fishbowl yes. with – I did a podcast interview with Michael Linson. He does the the Smart Classroom Management website. And he really Uh emphasizes modeling, explicit, detailed modeling of like what your body posture looks like, how you can phrase things that basically to be behaving in a way that's going to be conducive to a good classroom environment versus what not to do. And he'll model that too, which I would think with junior high kids, especially that would be crucial.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, And then... Uh, because I'm really what my goal is like, I'd love it to be kind of like my college experience, which wasn't true in all my classes. But if I was struggling with something, I'd go talk to someone about it. I'd Mm. go ask them what, you know, I got half an idea here. Am I onto the right, am I on the right track? I mean, I'd be comfortable enough doing that with my professors, but then there was also just my classmates and to just, so this is the ongoing conversation tracker thing that I'm using is really just a way to sort of initiate them into that sort of academic discourse that inquiry-based discourse where they're not really sure what their next steps are, what their full thoughts are yet, but they're talking with somebody about it to kind of help them form Right,
0: right. So ultimately, (laughs) the dream is you no longer even need the tracker, that this is just your classroom culture, that everyone talks to everyone, and they're generating these questions on their own, and that may never happen, but you're sort of creating that culture.
1: Yes, exactly.
0: Yeah. What are the most positive outcomes you've witnessed from making this change since you've been doing this?
1: Yes. I have had a lot, I guess I said earlier that I do a lot of kind of discussion based models for corners. um, I I don't think I itemized them, but philosophical chairs. I've done a lot of different kinds of discussion in Mm -hmm. there and those are good. Mm -hmm. um, And I still use them. Mm -hmm. And actually I've kind of, I've I've sort of disrupted these ongoing conversations with them. I I wrote that on a slide recently. It was was like, and now I interrupt these ongoing conversations (laughs) for a four corners. And (laughs) That was actually really helpful um, because they're already sort of talking in this inquiry sort of mindset and then they move into this argumentative sort of mode. And then we go back to conversations and it kind of enlivened it a little bit more. Um, But what I've noticed in that, so when I do the four corners is it's really content centered um, versus – Like, I think it was, I think I read a post you did recently, too, about the the fisheye syndrome. Oh, yeah. And I know for years, yeah, I was seeing like, I was seeing what I wanted to see with student interaction. So I might have like a third of my class really interacting. Um, This has helped me kind of see like, to what extent everyone's interacting. Mm -hmm. Um, And also, when I send them into their four corners or their philosophical chair, I say, now, while you're there, why don't you go ahead and use this opportunity you have someone who's like-minded with mm. you talk with them and you can put that on your ongoing conversation mm, nice. tracker sheet yeah so it's been um i've just found a lot of different ways to sort of incorporate the things i have been doing and sort of move this into uh like you were saying it's this is the classroom culture i want to promote yeah and it's uh, it's okay to be uncomfortable with your own ideas and talk with other people who are uncomfortable with their ideas and so it's just really student-centered um or content-centered uh, discussions that are happening so nice and then I guess one of the other benefits is uh, I my check for understanding is by walking around I don't need to do exit tickets mm. I don't need to do quizzes uh, the other day my sophomores were talking animal farm and I had asked a question about clover mm-hmm. and there were way too many of them saying clover who's clover ah. I don't know who clover is and so I just went okay time out and then we we talked about that character and her relevance in the story yeah. and do you guys and then they oh okay okay they they kind of got it and they got back on track with their conversations
0: wow so you immediately responded to it you were able to immediately respond, yes. which is the ideal in teaching. You do a formative assessment and yes. you can meet their needs immediately. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And that's exactly what happened in that moment. So, um, which was nice. Because um, I didn't have to collect anything. I didn't have to spend an hour going over Ugh. realizing they don't know Clover and then right. being upset about it mm-hmm. too. Because I take that personally. <sighs> I shouldn't. But I do. Um, so, and then I collect less work, um, but students do more. Uh, so it's a real collaboration now, too, where I, I've i always heard guide on the side and didn't really know what it meant. Yeah. I'm starting to feel like I know what it means now. Mm. That's fantastic. Um, yeah. And then I guess, yeah, that's that's pretty much like how things are now. My, I guess my next steps are um, a challenge i have noticing is they, some of them struggle. I, I would say a lot of them at a certain point, they struggle to initiate contact with people. Yeah. Um, and I, they said this in a survey. A lot of them they fear being wrong in front of their Mm. classmate so that's something i have to work on
0: that you know i kind of see i almost see both of those as going hand in hand too because initiating a conversation that is the you're risking getting rejected in some way and i i feel like and i hate using the expression kids today because i but i feel like this is with people in general in 2018 we're getting worse and worse at having face-to-face conversations. Like, I've met adults that I've interacted with online who can't function face-to-face. Like, they're weird face-to-face. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, come on. Like, And I think we need to be giving them practice in class and show, almost giving them scripts because you, you have a script to go by and it's like, oh, okay, I understand how to do yes. this. And then you don't have to follow it anymore. But people don't necessarily even know how how you do that. So that's really valuable work is to, to teach them... Directly, how how do you start a conversation?
1: Yeah, and well, for me, I'm thinking academically too that there's tremendous benefit in getting past some of those social awkward, socially awkward stuff, mm-hmm. and really just learning how to interact with another human being. Yeah, will actually enrich your academic life too.
0: Yes, yes, and you know, the more they do that, I would think, the less they're going to be afraid to be wrong because. The more you just talk with people one-on-one, the more you realize everybody's a little insecure. Everybody has misconceptions about things. And so those conversations have way, way more value, I think, than we even see on the surface.
1: Yeah. And I kind of have this this half-baked idea, too, that I'm going to do with um, research this year. Because mm. like, one of the things with real inquiry and research, so I'm kind of off on a tangent, but I'll bring it back, I promise. <laughs> okay. um, so one of the things that... They struggle with is like, look, good research means you're gonna get, you're gonna ask a question, you're gonna follow it, and then you're not gonna like where it goes. You're gonna read article number four that negates article number one, and mm. you're gonna wanna crumple that one mm-hmm. up. And I said, that's good research, yeah. but that's not, school is mostly like getting through a worksheet. And then you're done, but that's not how it works. So I'm thinking this year, I might, I need to sort of visually show them how that works. I think I might buy like a fancy waste paper basket and I'm going to say, hey, fill this up with your bad, like the things that you don't like. We're going to try and fill this up with all of the canned ideas. We're actually going to throw them in here (laughs) and we'll say like, look, we're doing good research. So I need to figure out how to create some kind of like signal to them. Like they're doing good things when it feels like it's wrong or off. Yeah. I'm confused good like some kind of signal like that's a good thing yeah Um, because acknowledging that's huge
0: maybe you just make a big bulletin board and they've got to just write like scraps of paper on like i thought this and then i came across this article and it completely like blew it out of the water and now i don't know what to do like sharing those moments where they fell down and other people be like oh yeah that happened to me too
1: (laughs) yeah or even like they somebody else would pick it up and say oh try this so then, You're yes, right. and they're collaborating together. Now they're yes. kind of, the ideas are, yeah. yep, that would be great. Yeah. Also, yeah. Any, any suggestions your followers might have would be great, too. Okay, so okay.
0: They often have the best ones. <laughs> okay, so, so, so anything else that you want to share about this process before we wrap up?
1: Yeah, I mean, like the, so those are the challenges, but I guess the big value is, and the students are saying this too, even though they're struggling through the discomfort, they Mm -hmm. say that it's exposing them to ideas they wouldn't have considered Mm. had they just been asked to do it alone or kind of respond on a worksheet. And so they're seeing new points of view, whether they agree with them or not, but it's actually influencing them. And like one, I had one student who actually wrote a lengthy response saying that, "Uh, you know what, I didn't. I don't know if I've changed my mind, but I just told myself I'm for the sake of this. I'm going to be open Hmm. and it's actually changed the way I think about this issue, uh, which was, I mean, my teacher nerd heart was singing.
0: Oh gosh, I bet, man, that's, you need to save that one and laminate it.
1: (laughs) I I think I will, (laughs) but yeah, I really think too. Um, I'm just barely scratching the surface on what I can do with this, um, And I'm just going to keep refining. So, you know, keep, if people like it, keep coming back and give me some new ideas. We can build something really cool here. And just talking, interacting, and connecting one idea to the next, from one day to the next, and just being comfortable with their own discomfort.
0: Speaking of following your progress on this, let's Mm -hmm. uh, tell people where they can find you online.
1: Yes, I have a website, makethemmasterit.com. And I'm at my Twitter handle is about the same. Make them master it. Um, I had to take out an E and master because they wouldn't let me put it in there. Um, And then if this is not necessarily related, but I do, I did write a book last year about um, writer's notebook. It's called make them process it uncovering new value in the writer's notebook. You can find that on Amazon. And I do have a free course on my website to help people with that. It's the same kind of, idea of like, Hey, we're not done with our thinking, but this is more of the writing side of it. So
0: nice. Got it. Yep. Great. Great. Well, thank you so much for, for basically putting this in front of me on Twitter and then being willing to, to dig into this and share it with people. I think that, um, I don't know. I think a lot of teachers are going to be excited about this.
1: Oh yeah. Well, thank you so much. I'm really excited to, to do this interview. So I appreciate the opportunity to come and talk about something I'm doing in my classroom. It's nice to feel validated.
0: for links to all the resources mentioned in this episode visit cultofpedagogy.com click podcast and choose episode 109 to get a weekly email from me about my newest blog posts podcast episodes and products sign up for my mailing list at cultofpedagogy.com slash subscribe thanks so much for listening and have a great day